This episode of The Explainer is sponsored by Daft Advantage Ads. Looking to sell your property for the best price? Daft Advantage Ads will maximise your chances. Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Laura Byrne, and this week, what does Trump being indicted mean for him and the 2024 election? Now, this week, the world watched while former US President Donald J. Trump appeared in court, the first sitting or former president to face charges. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is prosecuting Trump for allegedly cooking his company's books over payments to adult film actress Stormy Daniels just before the election in 2016. This done allegedly to cover up a sexual encounter years before. As you can imagine, Trump has aggressively denied the charges and this week he pleaded not guilty to 34 felony counts in a dramatic hearing in New York. Afterwards, in typical Trump style, he gave a speech, cried foul, called the prosecution an insult to the country. So today, we're hoping to look beyond the circus and drill down into the nuts and bolts of the legal process here. And to do so, I'm delighted to say we're joined by our own opinion writer, Larry Donnelly. He's a Boston-born lawyer and law lecturer at the University of Galway. Larry, delighted to have you with us today. Great to be with you, Laura. So, Larry, lots of media attention on Trump now. And when we look at the legal process here, we're dealing with slightly different terminology to the Irish legal system, aren't we? So firstly, what is an indictment? Uh, I suppose in in this instance, an indictment is closely tied up with the work of a grand jury. Uh, Oftentimes in the United States, though not all the time, when a prosecutor seeks to charge somebody with an offense, uh, they will effectively outsource that to a grand jury. Uh, A grand jury is a body of citizens who hears testimony from a variety of different uh, witnesses and looks at evidence uh, and makes a determination as to whether there is probable cause to charge somebody with the crime. That is a relatively low standard. Uh, Indeed, listeners might be familiar with the saying from television and movies that you can indict a ham sandwich. But an indictment then is what issues when a grand jury finds that there is probable cause uh, to charge somebody with a crime. Uh, And that is what has happened uh, in this instance uh, at the instigation of Manhattan District Attorney uh, Alvin Bragg. And we now know the indictment issued. And subsequent to that, Donald Trump has been arrested and arraigned. So not dissimilar maybe to what we know as the Director of Public Prosecutions here, but just a little bit of a different process on the way. It's dissimilar in the sense that because, uh, and this relates to more differences between uh, Ireland and the United States, uh, the Director of Public Prosecutions is obviously uh, a non-political office, whereas in the United States, prosecutors are almost invariably uh, political, they're elected officials. So when an elected district attorney wants to have a little bit of distance, typically, from, uh, I suppose, the allegation that something is a politically motivated charge, uh, he or she will outsource this to a grand jury. That is, that the grand jury of citizens, they will make the decision as to whether the indictment should issue. Now, again, uh, grand juries have been criticized in the past because the standard is so low, that is, probable cause to charge somebody with a crime, uh, but yet it is a tool uh, that is used and sometimes mandated, depending on what state you're in or federal level, uh, that is used by prosecutors uh, in the United States. And that's what's been done here. So uh, we had all eyes on Trump last night, bit of a media circus, as you would expect. But has a serving or former US president ever come close to being indicted before, Larry? 
in recent history, obviously, uh, Richard Nixon was impeached uh, from office uh, and resigned before he could have been removed from office. As we know from recent history, uh, there's the impeachment process, then there is the removal from office uh, process. Uh, Nixon was impeached and then resigned before he could be removed. And then before he could be charged with a crime, his successor as President Gerald Ford uh, pardoned Richard Nixon in the in the interest of the nation uh, moving on. So we are really in a, this is unpre- an unprecedented instance. This is uh, uncharted waters. Uh, and indeed, uh, given all that's at stake here, all that's at play, uh, we could be entering into some very arcane, esoteric issues uh, of American constitutional law. So if we look then, Larry, at the main players here, obviously, I don't think we need to explain who Donald Trump is anymore. But who is Michael Cohen? Michael Cohen was uh, Donald Trump's uh, longtime lawyer, personal confidant, often described as his fixer, uh, someone who was there to help Donald Trump oftentimes uh, get out of jams. And uh, in this instance, uh, his his relevance is that he uh, is alleged to have paid uh, $130,000 to uh, Stormy Daniels, as well as potentially other payments to, to other people. Uh, but it was Particularly to Stormy Daniels, one hundred and thirty thousand, effectively to uh, keep her to buy her silence, to keep her from t- talking about uh, an affair that she is again alleged to have had with Donald Trump uh, multiple more than fifteen years ago. Uh, at this stage, uh, Michael Cohen uh, ultimately, uh, you know, pled guilty to uh, a number of charges, including federal campaign finance violations. Served some time uh, in prison, uh, wrote a book, as you do, uh, and now. Uh, if this matter does go to trial, uh, it's very likely that Michael Cohen will be uh, a witness for the prosecution uh, in this instance. You couldn't make it up really, could you, Larry? And it's straight out of a Hollywood script, isn't it? Uh, Stormy Daniels and herself, who is she and what's her role been through all of this? Well, Stormy Daniels was uh, originally a, a porn star, uh, but I actually think that that's to, to minimize her, 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 her many the many hats that she wears. I think one of the biggest hat Stormy Daniels wears is that she is a capitalist. Uh, she has made an awful lot uh, of money. She's now into production and uh, you know directing porn movies, etc. She has she sold sold all sorts of merchandise. She's been in management. Uh, she's done very well out of this. But uh, again, she's alleged to have had um, a tryst with Donald Trump uh, in 2006, I believe it was, uh, about which he has made numerous comments uh, of a tawdry nature about Donald Trump that fly in the face uh, of some of the things that the man himself has uh, you know, claimed. Uh, but that's where, where she fits, I suppose, in this scheme. She was, you know, had this tryst with Donald Trump in 2006. Again, she is somebody who also uh, would likely feature uh, if this matter goes to trial. And one of the things, if this matter were to go to trial, one of the challenges for the prosecution is that uh, the credibility of both uh, Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels uh, is pretty easily assailable. Uh, And that's one of the challenges that the DA will face. And indeed, it's one of the reasons why um, DA Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, one of the reasons why his predecessor did not pursue uh, this case was because of uh, the the easy, I suppose, potential for uh, Daniels and Cohen's credibility to be undermined. So I'm guessing then it doesn't take a genius to work out why this so-called hush money would have been paid essentially by Cohen to Stormy Daniels in and around this 2016 election. 
Yeah, well, the, the theory of the prosecution case is that the money was paid uh, in order to make this go away because obviously uh, then-candidate Trump viewed, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the possibility of a porn star just describing in detail an affair that she had had uh, with the president would not have gone well. Uh, and again, there's more backdrop to this because, uh, you know, Stormy Daniels went to the National Enquirer trying to sell this story, but little did she know that the owner of the National Enquirer was a close friend of Donald Trump who was in, in charge of this catch and kill, quote unquote, policy uh, in which anyone who had any dirty laundry uh, on the president and came to the National Enquirer, uh, instead of running with it, which ordinarily the National Enquirer does. Uh, instead, uh, they would go back to Trump or Trump's representatives and say, look, this is out here. We'll catch it. And now you need to pay the money uh, to kill it. Uh, and that's what happened uh, in, this, in this particular instance. So looking at the legality or illegality, where does this sit within the law then? Where is Alvin Bragg's case? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I mean, paying hush money, and here's where you know Trump's lawyers who have said that this sort of thing happens every day, uh, they're right. I mean, they, you know, paying hush money for people not to disclose embarrassing things about somebody else uh, happens each and every day in the United States, and it is not a crime. But the theory is this: the theory of the case is that, uh, and this is you know now that we, the indictment has been released, there are 34 counts in which uh, Donald Trump's organization is alleged to have had to have uh, made false bookkeeping returns, to have made false, uh, you know, return, false entries uh, in its financial records. And that's a misdemeanor uh, under uh, New York law, but it has risen to the level of of the felony, at least the prosecutor alleges, because it is in connection with a campaign finance violation. The campaign finance violation, to be colloquial about it, effectively is bribing uh, Stormy Daniels and indeed uh, another woman who posed in Playboy uh, and potentially others uh, to, keep, to, to, to bribe them to, to keep quiet uh, for the benefit of uh, Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Now, one prong of many, many prongs of the Trump uh, defense is going to be that they allege that Stormy Daniels, they first broached the idea of a payoff uh, to Stormy Daniels in 2011, long before Donald Trump was pursuing the presidency. So the argument is, look, this wasn't in connection with the campaign. We wanted this to go away anyway. So that's just one of the many complexities that I would see uh, in this uh, prosecution. And to be blunt, uh, one of the reasons why uh, of all the clouds swirling around Donald Trump, uh, I view this possibly as the least threatening of them all. Well, this is it. This is what they were saying last night. This may be just the the beginning of many charges he can expect. And I, I would imagine this is probably the most salacious, but there may be more serious down the track. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, you, you might think, and again, you have to get into the mindset, I suppose, uh, of a prosecutor. We know that, for instance, uh, in Georgia, uh, a grand jury came back effectively, uh, you know, and, and we had some rather bizarre, uh, you know, in television interviews from the foreperson of that grand jury pretty much signaling that charges would soon follow uh, against Donald Trump. That's still in the hands of the DA in Georgia. But you would imagine that having seen uh, her colleague, Alvin Bragg, take this 
step uh, on arguably flimsier grounds than she has uh, that the district attorney in Georgia may well follow suit. We know that Jack Smith, uh, a very highly respected uh, lawyer and prosecutor, both nationally and internationally, we know he's looking into the events uh, of January 6th, as well as uh, the documents that were kept, uh, the classified documents that Trump took to Mar-a-Lago, lied about, refused to cough up until the FBI went there. They're watching this, and it's a case of how many dominoes are going to fall. This is the first domino, but all, as we know, it only takes one to push over the rest. And as I would suggest to you, uh, the rest are a lot more weighty and a lot more potentially troublesome uh, for the former president. Selling your property? Ask your estate agent for a Daft Advantage ad today for maximum visibility, best results and best price for your property. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I was watching it all last night, as I'm sure you were too, Larry, and some commentators and Trump advocates are saying this is all a political stitch up. Then others saying, actually, this is going to hand the election to Trump. I don't know if you agree with that, Larry, but if prosecutors are political appointees in the US, is there any sort of trail here to suggest that this could be politically motivated? I absolutely would absolutely agree with that point. I mean, I think Trump's lawyers have a point. Um, the reality, and this again leads to, you know, one of the things this is all thrown up, to be to be frank, is a lot of systemic flaws in uh, the United States governmental system. And indeed, uh, you know, the, the fact that in many instances, we are looking back to a document from the 18th century, that is the Constitution, uh, for guidance on this stuff, uh, I think is in, is in its own way uh, an indictment uh, of where we are in the United States. But certainly there is an argument here because look at what Alvin Bragg campaigned on. He campaigned on the idea that he was going to get Trump. He won a Democratic primary, which is a de facto election in Manhattan. He won a Democratic primary and raised an awful lot of money on the back of that promise uh, to get Trump. So even if you do, you have little time for Donald Trump and to be, to be blunt, I don't have much time for him. You can at the same time be troubled by a system in which prosecutors are elected. Uh, and again, I think that that's, that's an issue um, that, you know, that we'll have to deal with long after that. But that's the system uh, that we have. Uh, that's the system that you know, is you know, going to dictate the outcome uh, of this matter. So we, we just have to wait and see how it unfolds. I know that the prosecutors were saying that they're looking at maybe January next year for a trial date, but it doesn't seem like the most likely thing. And that'll be close to the Republican primaries. Yeah, I mean, l l let's just look at one thing, for instance, like they, the, the lawyers have, and I believe it's until August, that the defense uh, have time to file motions. And then it, I think they must be responded to by November with the idea of a next hearing uh, date uh, at which, you know, motions are going to be resolved uh, in December. Now, let's look at just one issue. That's the statute of limitations, okay? This it relates to a 2016 uh, payoff, okay, alleged payoff. We are now in 2023. Now, there are arguments on both sides as to whether this comes within the statute of limitations, okay, due to some nuances of case law and also due to the COVID pandemic. Trump is almost certain, Trump's lawyers are almost certain to raise the statute of limitations as a defense and to seek a dismissal of the case on that basis. Now, let's say the judge denies that motion to dismiss. They can then appeal that to the appellate court all the way to the New York State Supreme Court and drag this thing out. And that's just one issue. 
Okay, there are plenty of others. I expect the Trump defense team uh, to seek a change of venue to claim that they can't get a fair trial uh, in Manhattan because it is so heavily Democratic. They can't get a neutral jury. Uh, I expect them to challenge the judge. Uh, the judge is somebody who presided over another matter in which uh, he ruled against uh, the Trump organization. Uh, I also expect the Trump uh, team perhaps to seek uh, a motion to dismiss on the basis that this legal theory is just un uh, unprovable. Uh, and they may look back to uh, the case of another presidential candidate, uh, the Democrat John Edwards, who was prosecuted under a similar, not exactly the same, but under a similar line or similar theory. Uh, and that, that case was thrown out by a jury very, very quickly. So there are multiple, multiple avenues for the Trump defense team to delay, to drag this out. Uh, and indeed, they have colorable arguments. Now, that having been said, in fairness to the district attorney, he got the indictment. Okay, he has an argument there as well. You know, it's not the easiest one to make. He has an he has an argument, and if this were to take place uh, in Manhattan, it is likely to be to again to to, to put it. Bluntly, uh, it is likely that he would have a reasonably favorably disposed jury uh, to the arguments that he would be putting forward. I would guess that uh, his legal team's biggest challenge is trying to keep him quiet while this is all ongoing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is a real problem, uh, I think. And uh, again, if you look to his speech in Mar-a-Lago last night, uh, first off, the judge at the arraignment said to Donald Trump that you had better watch some of the statements that you are making uh, because they could prejudice the process and, you know, their flagrant disregard, disrespect for the court and for the judicial system. Um, and lo, lo and behold, you know, mere, mere hours later, back in Mar-a-Lago, uh, Trump attacked not only the judge, but the judge's family, the whole system, uh, and in direct contravention of what the judge had said, almost daring uh, the judge to hold him in contempt. Uh, so I would say that the, Trump's lawyers uh, must be I can't imagine the job they have in their hands. Those of us who practice law all can identify with, you know, having a difficult client. Uh, I think Donald Trump takes that to an entirely new uh, level. So, um, you know, how they keep a, a handle on him uh, will be interesting. Then the other thing is, you know, look, this is unfolding in the same context as Donald Trump is engaged in a presidential campaign. Arguably, they, you know, under the American system, that gives Trump more leeway uh, to say what he wants because he will regard this as politically motivated. He has the right to defend himself, etc. So, again, what I would stress to people watching this is this is unprecedented in its bringing up issues that have never been brought up before and that, frankly, the in some respects, the American law, the American legal system and indeed the American political system are not designed uh, to deal with. So, Larry, if we shift now from the legal end of things to the political, legally, this is a big headache still for Trump. But politically, could it be the best thing to happen to him since the election in 2016? Are we seeing any signs of that yet in terms of reaction from his core supporters? Well, in the short term, it certainly has benefited him. Uh, he has surged in the polls against Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, who hasn't declared for the nomination, but who is perceived to be his chief rival. He has surged over DeSantis. He has also raised uh, a tremendous amount uh, of money in a very short space of time. I mean, it was no mistake uh, that Donald Trump said, I'm going to be arrested, even though he didn't know he was kind of guessing. Uh, as soon as he said that, uh, the money started to pour in. And just as a quick aside, a very interesting 
suggesting that, uh, you know, the, Donald Trump mentioned the threat of being arrested and he managed to raise millions uh, from people in many instances who don't have a lot of money, uh, whereas uh, the people who were involved in January 6th, uh, a lot of them have been arrested and languishing in prison and Donald Trump hasn't done a damn thing uh, to, to help them. So again, just another irony uh, that the situation brings up. But this is the question and this is what I think people should be watching for. Yes, this has helped Donald Trump, but those who are saying that this guarantees him the nomination, we just, you know, Alvin Bragg just gave Trump the nomination. Uh, they're jumping the gun. And I think that they're jumping the gun mainly because this is only one day. This is one day rather circus-like atmosphere where Donald Trump is involved in the legal process. There are many days like it both in this matter and with respect to the other matters that are likely to, to, to continue. Now, there is a cohort in the Republican Party who will stay with Trump no matter what. Some of the others who had drifted away from Trump drifted back to him because they perceived this particular matter to be a witch hunt. But as the other stuff comes in, as the DA in Georgia comes in, as the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago and whatever results from that, as January 6th rears its ugly head again, one wonders, okay, how many Republicans are going to stick by Donald Trump or are going to look at the polling numbers. And the polling numbers very much indicate uh, that Donald Trump uh, has lost the middle and, and that the Americans approve of this indictment and, and are likely to feel even more strongly uh, about uh, indictments that, in my view, uh, are stronger than this one. Um, one wonders whether Republicans will say, we love you, Donald. Uh, we liked your presidency. We wish you could get back there again, uh, but we're not willing to follow you off the cliff because we want to win the White House back. You know, Larry, I got chatting to an American tourist here in Dublin this week and he wasn't a fan of Trump. I asked him what he made of the Trump court case and he said, it's not Trump we're worried about anymore. It's the people he has emboldened, the politicians coming after him. If we look at 2024, a lot of people saying the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, is seen as Trump's most powerful rival in any bid for a nomination. What's he been saying about the court case? Well, Ron DeSantis and, and all of Trump's, uh, you know, rivals for the nomination, uh, they've effectively you know, defended Trump and said that this is a political witch hunt and they've gone on the attack against uh, the DA Alvin Bragg. Now, part of that will be rooted in their own belief that, you know, they, that the, much of uh, American society, especially the coastal establishment and certainly uh, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is, you know, irre irrevocably biased against uh, conservatives. Uh, and part, so part of that is down to their own core conviction. Uh, another part of that is they desperately cannot afford uh, to offend uh, Trump's support base because if they want to have a chance uh, of winning the Republican nomination, they're going to have to peel some of them off. And if one of them were lucky enough to win um, the Republican nomination, ultimately, they would need those people uh, in a general election. So uh, there's both, I suppose, ideologically rooted reasons for why they have, you know, leapt to Trump's defense, but also more pragmatic, uh, strategic reasons uh, for why they haven't uh, you know, crit criticized uh, Donald Trump. I suppose the one who came closest, the, the closest I heard to criticism was DeSantis saying, you know, I just don't understand how a payment to a porn star happens, you know. So it was kind of saying, look, this is a witch hunt, but I still want to distance myself from uh, what's happened here. And I think to be frank with you, or to, 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 cut it to, to cut to the quick, I think that was very much marketed at the older evangelical voters in the Iowa caucus, which is the first uh, contest in which 
which Donald Trump lost even in 2016 because of that demographic. Uh, I think DeSantis was speaking specifically to them when he made that rather offhand remark. And Larry, if Trump is serious about the Republican nomination and let's say for argument's sake, like you suggest, the legal team has pushed out as much as possible all of these charges. Well, if he's found guilty down the line, how would that work in any practical way? I mean, look, again, here's what I adverted to earlier. We are entering uncharted territory. Um, the Constitution, you know, really says little about this. You know, if the, if, if you're over 35, you're a U.S. citizen, um, you know, you're eligible to serve as president. It doesn't say much more than that. So we could certainly have a scenario, you know, I, I, I don't think it's likely, but we could have a scenario where we have a president, a sitting president of the United States uh, who is convicted um, uh, of one or more criminal offenses, um, then it, that would raise the specter of could he pardon himself uh, while sitting in office? Would he? Could he be sent to prison? In the event that he was sent to prison, could he continue to serve as president? Now, I tend to think that if these eventualities came to pass, um, that uh, you know, even 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 the most radical of Trump uh, devo- fans, etc., would um, you know walk into the brink and avoid what would be uh, a really embarrassing uh, constitutional crisis at many levels. But all of these issues, which once were unthinkable, now are into the realm of the possible, albeit the you know remote. Uh, they're still there uh, as possibilities, uh, and that's of course uh, deeply worrying at very many levels. Well, I think if you could just imagine a second term President Trump in the White House facing all of these charges, he's probably the most likely character to pardon himself. Uh, Larry, we'll keep in touch on this one. And many thanks for joining us today. Thank you. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by Daft Advantage Ads. Looking to sell your property for the best price? Head to www.advantage.daft.ie today for more info on the best way to sell your home in Ireland. Thanks again to Larry Donnelly for joining us today. You've been listening to The Explainer podcast by thejournal.ie. This episode was brought to you by producer Nikki Ryan. If you'd like to support all the work we do here, head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to make a one-off donation or become a monthly subscriber. And of course, you can always leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.